sexy. <laughs> short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. He was getting angry. She's a whore. Some women, I guess, are so... Oh, well, that was quick. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess that's the intro. Welcome to Cold War <laughs> 164. Five. So 165... If you say so. How's your vacation going? You're in the middle of your vacation right now. Loving it? Yeah, I will be by the time people hear this. Yeah, I will be loving it. Yeah. Good. You deserve it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, How's your vacation going, seeing as I'm on vacation? Um, Well, I mean, yeah. I'm enjoying the, uh, the, the not prepping every week, but I miss you. And I'm there with mm. you in spirit, and I hope you and the family are having a great time. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Totally sincere. At the end of our last episode. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. I know what we're doing. <laughs> okay. At the end of our last episode, uh, <laughs> Fitzroy McLean right. giving his report back to London on, uh, or to Cairo probably, on the, the partisans and how strong they were and the Germans they were holding down and Tito's character. He liked the yeah. cut of Tito's jib from the get-go. <laughs> on yes. the other hand, the senior British liaison officer, Colonel Bill Bailey, who oh, was with the Chetniks at the time, reported back the outburst of Mihalovic back in February of 1943 when he said he wanted to got drunk and said that after the war he was going to liquidate all of his enemies, partisans, Croats, Muslims, the Ustasha, in that oh, order before right. he dealt with the Axis forces. Jesus. So, uh, on one hand... It's a, yeah, it's his fault. Yeah. On one hand, they've got Tito, who's being charming. On the other hand, they've got Mihalovic getting drunk and going on a rant. So I'm going to kill everybody. <clears throat> Right. Yeah, that's what they're sort of having to decide between. And as you said in the last episode, the Foreign Office, British Foreign Office, really wanted King Peter back on the throne and Mihalovic promised to put him back on the throne. But the military Ooh. wanted the communist, Tito, yeah, gotta, gotta wanted war, to support bitch. him because yeah. he was doing the the better job, holding off the Germans. Yeah. And that, at the in the moment, that's all they really cared about the British Commander-in-Chief of the Middle East Command, General Jumbo Wilson, <laughs> so called because of his huge dick, was so impressed by McLean's report coming on top of the ultra transcripts, which he oh. must have been privy to, yeah. suggested that Mihalovic should be left to, quote, rot and fall off the branch rather than be pushed. So I guess another great Napoleon quote, you know, don't never interrupt an enemy when he is making a mistake. Yes. Um, Let let Mihalovic, uh, you know, blow himself up. Yeah. And And we'll just keep supporting the other guy. And and just just for those of you who haven't studied General Maitland, Jumbo Wilson, hard ass, tough, tough as nails, but also politically savvy. Yeah, why would you just um, make an enemy of Mikhailovich and just tell him to fuck off? Just keep feeding him along, but let him wither away. Maybe something happened to him. So uh, a good move, but a ruthless move. And as we are going to see later on, uh, Jumbo Wilson doesn't scare easy. This guy is pretty tough. So he'll, he'll come back into the story later. But it, but he's one of the guys I like because he was just he was hard as fuck. Yeah, you like a man who's hard. <laughs> Yes. Not that you have daddy. Not that you have any daddy <laughs> issues that are unresolved, but <laughs> you're mixing up several of my issues all into one. Anyway, let's get on with the story. Meanwhile, back in Yugoslavia, Tito convened a second meeting of Avnoj. You want to remind everyone what Avnoj stands for, Ray? Oh God, I wrote it down somewhere. 
Um, it was basically the anti-fascist national something liberation of Yugoslavia. I don't know. I'm going off memory here. Yes, the anti-fascist council, council. for the Na- national liberation of Yugoslavia. Nice. Uh, to set up a new Yugoslav government with himself as president. Yay! <coughs> as you do. Yeah. Um, they discussed the nationalities problem that we mentioned in the last episode. How do we bring all of these nationalities together into a single country after the war? You've got you've got the, the partisans and the Chetniks and the Muslims and the Ustasha and the Serbs and the Croats, the Montenegrins, the Herzegovnians, Herzegovnians, Neonanses. It's uh, how do we bring them all together? Now, the problem was that the only real difference between at least the Serbs and the Croats was their religion. Yeah. And religion's not really something that Marxists acknowledge. Right. It's just seen as, you know, another problem that divided people into classes. It's not in the handbook how to deal with that? Huh. Well, there's nothing in the handbook about how to deal with anything, which is always one of the problems with Marxism. <laughs> but they, you know, Marx and Engels right. saw religion as one of the tools of the bourgeoisie to keep people separated. Right. And uh, it was a tool of oppression. And, uh, you know, they, they, they really didn't see it as playing a role in an advanced yeah. civilised society. But you, but you made the point a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, all that's true. But for these people, religion is there. It's real. It's been around for a very long time. And the various religions have taught each other that you are better than the other group. The other group's way of doing it is completely wrong, and they're probably going to hell, and they should go to hell. So when you have that kind of attitude, there can be no compromising. So one, this is this is um, Tito's Gordian knot, and two, as we're going to find out, because of their, um, I guess you can just call it socialist or communist background, they don't really have an answer for what to do with this, but it's their problem, and they know it's their number one problem. Well, and, and the reason we did a lot of background on Yugoslavia at the beginning of this story arc mm-hmm. is that this... Uh, religious warfare had been going on between these people for a thousand years. And so there was a thousand years of of hatred and violence. It's like the Shia and the Sunni. It's like the, the, the Muslims and the, the Jews, Uh, you know, it's, it's, I mean, the, doesn't, it's not as old because the Jews have only been there for right. a while. But, you know, it's this really, really old conflict that uh, generation after generation after generation, yeah. going back a thousand years, have been involved in. You're born into entire it. Entire yeah. ident- cultural identities were built around their hatred of each other. Right. <clears throat> very, very difficult for anyone, not just communists, Marxists, for anyone to unpick this as, you know, as the world has seen. Uh, uh, since the collapse of communism in Yugoslavia as well. I think the American version of this is probably um, Family Guy versus Simpsons. I mean, you're either on one side or the other, and it's a pretty deep divide, and it's very personal. So you have to pick a side, and you've got to be willing to kill for it. That's always my motto. I thought you... I thought you were going to say the American version of it is your treatment of the black population. Um, no, but you went for the you went for a gag. So yeah, no. point. Yeah, yeah. No. I'm too I'm too even afraid to touch the other one at this point. All the stuff I see in the news mm. is freaking me out. But I'm done. Go ahead. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you're you're afraid to touch the blacks. <laughs> you're from the south. Um, the. Uh, <laughs> The point, though, is that when they had this meeting of Avnoj mm-hmm. to try and figure out the nationalities problem, they didn't really have a plan yeah. yet. They didn't have an answer to it. They went around, they debated it, they discussed it, some ideas were thrown up and shot down. Um, they, they left this meeting without anything <sighs> approaching a plan. Now, yes. when you are trying to pitch yourselves as the saviours of the country <clears throat> and the country's a mess... Right. And you're going to sort it out. Look, just give, put your trust in us. Give us your, your, 
hand in friendship, right. regardless of what side of the divide you're on, because we are going to make Yugoslavia great again. <laughs> I was going to say uh, after the war, doesn't that sound like Trump? Look, I am not. I'm making vague promises. I've got no fucking idea. But what have you got to lose? Give me a try. It's not that flippant, yeah. but it's but it's almost like that because you're right. They don't know. They talked about like two or three different serious things concerning the nationalities, and nobody had an answer that everybody can get on board with. Although the good thing about Marxism is, if they did go in and say if they after the country, uh, you know, after the war, mm-hmm. and they were bringing the country together, it's like look. Religion has been the basis of all of our problems, so we're going to get rid of religion, Ooh. okay? And then there'll be no more problems. Right. Uh, if if they could sell that, right. uh, which would be part of the, you know, communist game plan, it, 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 it could go well or, right. or not. Anyway, they didn't really have a plan. Yes. But uh, they did create a legislative assembly oh. under the presidency of Tito, who was proclaimed marshal. Nice. As Finally. Joseph Stalin was Marshal Stalin, yes. we now have Marshal Tito. Oh, nice! And the, technically Marshal Josip yeah. Broz, but okay, Marshal Tito. Yeah. Either way, and this brand new Yugoslavia has the birth date of November 29th, nineteen forty-three, which will go on to be a holiday until the Federation dies. But finally, all of his years of being shot at, wounded several times. Living in caves, um, getting out of at least, I think, five or six German attacks at this point. It's finally come through. He's got his government. He is now the marshal. Things are looking good. However, obviously, the war isn't over. The threat to his life isn't over. If anything, it's going to get more dangerous because now he's declaring himself. But the point is he's taken a major step here. Yeah, now... Unfortunately, uh, there was also a tragedy involved with uh, this new birthday of the new Yugoslavia. Mm. Tito decided to send a military mission to Cairo to work with McLean, who was based there. And to go there, he chose the young Ivo Lolo Riba to head up the mission. Now, we've mentioned Ivo before. He was... um, one of the young university students mm. who uh, was smoking fancy cigarettes right. in an earlier episode and would throw them away <laughs> when they were half lit and, you know, the poorer communists were like, what? <laughs> and his father, his father had been a big wig in um, the government uh, who, had, who had, you know, was an intellectual and he'd, he wasn't a communist but he'd sided with the partisans, right. gave them a lot of credibility. He was a member of Avnoj. Um, but just as Evo and the others were boarding their plane to go to Cairo, a German bomber appeared out of nowhere and scored a direct hit on the plane. Nearly everyone in the plane was killed, including Rebar. Yeah. And, and this guy is in... now. Yep, yeah, sorry, go ahead. After you. And like you were saying, not only is he the youngest man in the leadership, but he and Tito were close friends at least since 1936, I think before that as well. So this is not only a loss as far as, you know, the official capacity of the military mission going to Cairo. This is a personal tragedy, tragedy, one of many that Tito has suffered. And they're not over with yet. But again, you have this great victory, this this celebration, and now you have this very personal uh, tragedy. This is... I guess this is just par for the course when you're the leader of a new government and a country that's just worn torn. This is this kind of stuff is going to happen. But Tito, being the type of person he is, takes it in stride and keeps moving on. Well, yes, but on the very same day the plane was destroyed, right? Rebar's father, who was had been out of town, <sighs> returned to Yahtzee. Didn't know about Lola's death. Right. And the partisans decided that Tito had to be the one to break the news to him. Fuck. And when um, Dr. Rebar called on Tito to pay his respects, Tito told him about Evo Lola's uh, uh, death in the plane that very day. And um, the doctor, the father... um, asked about his other son, is Jurika right. far away? And has he been told of Lola's death? It will be a heavy blow for him. Tito was silent and then took Reba by the arm and said gently, Jurika was killed too, 
fighting the Chetniks in Montenegro a month ago. Shit. The old doctor supposedly uh, gave Tito a hug and said, this fight of ours is hard. Damn. He'd lost both his sons. Jesus. Um, As we said, well, I guess that's war, but yeah. When you're fighting for a revolution for your children and uh, for the future, for a better future, sacrifices are made. Now, at the funeral Mm -hmm. of Lola, the old Jew, Moshe, um, read the words of Eugene Levine. Right. It's one of the greatest, greatest names of all time. (laughs) My name is Levine. Eugene Levine. (laughs) Eugene Levine was a German communist in 1919, <clears throat> part of the uh, German communist uprising, when mm-hmm. he was court-martialed and told he was going to get the death sentence. Levine said, we communists are all dead men on leave. Ooh. It is, uh, he went on to say, I don't have his actual words here, but I've read this before. He went on to say something like, it's only uh, it's up to you to decide whether we remain on leave or uh, our leave is over. Basically, right? <laughs> you know, Jeez. doesn't matter to us. We all know we have a death sentence. It's just a matter of time. Right. And he was in fact executed with the rest. But so that's what Moshe read out. Um, we communists are all dead men on leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now the sufferings of the Rebar family weren't over. Oh, he, uh, the doctors. The doctor's wife, the mother of Lola and Jerika, was arrested by the Gestapo and executed for helping her husband join the partisans. Damn. And before Lola was killed, he had written to his fiancée, who was a Belgrade student, a letter to be shown to her only in the event of his death. Right. It concluded, I love you very, very, very much, my own... I hope you will never receive this letter, but that we shall greet the hour of victory together. When And after he was killed, Gilas mm-hmm. uh, tried to track her down to give her the letter, only to find out that her, her father, mother, sister and brother had been taken by the Gestapo and killed in one of their gas chamber lorries. God. You you were just saying a second ago that, yeah, the communists are fighting so the future generations could have a better life. Well, this guy's future generations were being wiped out or had been wiped out. So uh, it just mm. it's just devastating. So let, let's get back to the wider war. The Germans are going to try once again Operation Someone Please Kill Fucking Tito Already, Operation Kugelblitz <laughs> or Thunderbolt. This is the sixth offensive of the Germans against the Partisans, and it starts on December 2nd, 1943. It's a pretty good plan, but again, Tito has been handpicked by God, who is a communist, to survive this. In uh, January of 1944, Fitzy went back to Bosnia with two proofs of how highly regarded... Tito was to Winnie the Pooh. One was a personal letter from Winnie the Pooh expressing his admiration and support of Tito's struggle. The second... Hold on, there's a German bomber flying above me. (laughs) Weirdly, weirdly loud. Yeah. Normally spy planes aren't loud. I mean, defeats the the purpose. So we don't have to go into the details of the military action, but just know that overall, even though the Germans did not get Tito, there was uh, a lot of successes. And what they were trying to do basically is is break down the uh, partisan divisions and make sure that um, the approaches to Italy were secured because the Germans um, did want uh, that those ways to be open. But by the time it's over with, and it goes from like December 2nd to December 18th of 1943, there are uh, 2,280 partisans dead. Those were the bodies they actually counted. They estimated another 2,000 were dead, but they just didn't were able to confirm the bodies. And another 2,300 captured. So the partisans lost territory. Uh, they lost a lot of men. They're still a fighting force. But the Germans were able to capture a lot of territory and... 
because they took several settlements and killed a lot of people. Again, this is driving people to Tito because he is now being seen as their only hope. So people from all walks of life of joining him, every time there's a massacre or a tragedy, that's driving more people to Tito and it's working out to his benefit. Well, in January of 1944, Fitzy came back to Bosnia with two proofs that Winnie the Pooh <laughs> held Tito in high regard. What? One was a personal letter uh-huh. uh, stained with honey. <laughs> that expressed his admiration and support for Tito and the Partisans. Here's Tito. The second was Winnie's son, Randy Churchill, who was now an officer in the British military mission. So a bit of a big deal. His only begotten son. One of the big three allied leaders sends his only begotten son (laughs) to fight on the side of the Partisans. Huge propaganda. Triumph. This is huge. For Tito. Right. And it's going to get better. So not only can Tito now tout, look, the the, uh, Churchill himself has sent his son to me. But finally, thank all the communist guides. In February of 1944, the Russians, the stuck up, silent for all this time, not helping Tito out, Russians send their own military mission to the partisans. Success, hurrah, huzzah. But not really. Unfortunately, the guy that Stalin sent was General Korniev. Yeah, he was. Uh, he had lost a foot at Stalingrad. Did he find it? And <laughs> Sorry. He left it, left it under a bed somewhere. Uh, you know what these feet are like when you take them off. And he, he couldn't parachute into no. Yugoslavia. I don't know if you've ever tried to par- land on one foot, but no. the tricky. Instead, he uh, came with the rest of his staff in a pair of American gliders. Yeah, in style. I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Never been in a glider. Uh, when the uh, partisans went to greet them, welcome them, they found not only the general and some colonels, but case upon case of caviar and vodka. Hell yeah. And they were like, oh, that's what, what? that's very nice of you, General, to bring that. And he goes, no, no. that's not for you. That's for me. It's, that's, it's for me to help yeah. me get through this hellhole that you call a home. But these yeah. generals were dressed yeah. to the nine because every girl loves a sharp-dressed man. They had the caviar, the vodka, and they also had demands because they weren't going to live like pigs. We're Russians after all. Shirt, new shoes. Clean oh, <laughs> shirt, new shoes. Now I don't know what where I'm, I'm going to do. Silk suit, black tie. I don't need a reason why. They come running just as fast as they can. Cause every girl crazy about a shop dressed Russian man. Um, now, uh, yeah, General Korniev, uh, Stalin kind of despised him. So he got the guy he hated the most and thought was the most, most useless and sent him to the partisans. Stalin told Gilas later on, the, the poor man is not stupid, but he is a drunkard and an incurable (laughs) drunkard. So that was the guy he chose to head the Russian mission, the Soviet mission, to the partisans. So they both sent drunkards. Churchill <laughs> sent his son, Randolph, well known as a useless drunkard. Stalin sent General right? Korniev. Uh, I guess that tells you pretty much drunkard. everything you need to know about what they thought of the, yeah. you know, how much time, yeah. the, the, quali- the the level of person they were willing to waste on the partisans. I mean, <laughs> despite, you know, Fitzy Fuck. and Churchill sending him a nice letter, he sent him his useless son. By the way, uh, he is a dr- The poor man is not stupid, but he is a drunkard and an incurable drunkard is how I always introduce you at parties. But move, <laughs> move on. 
I'm not sure about the one foot. Uh, I should know when he starts dancing after he's drunk. We'll find out. But uh, so the general gets there, the Russian general gets there, and we just, this is not important, but it's just funny. The general gets there and he insists that he has to have a lavatory be built for him because it's like, whoa, 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 I'm a general. Look at all this this gold braid. Look at all my medals. I'm a, I'm a big deal. So the the Tito and his men are like, well, we don't have that. We just go behind a tree, and the British are here, and they're doing the same thing. And the Russians like, nope, nope, I have to have the lavatory. So they dig a hole. They build a structure over the hole, and just for a nice touch, they whitewash it. So the general now has his pristine shit house or white house, whatever you want to call it. But because it's a white house in a place that's got trees and mountains. It stands out. The first German plane that comes along bombs the fuck out of it. The shit house is no more, but Tito and his men tried to placate the Russian. (laughs) And because McLean spoke Russian, Korniev would call on him and complain about uh, the mission that he'd been sent on. He... He told he told McLean that he had hoped for a, a comfortable job in Washington as a defense <clears throat> attaché after he lost his foot, right. but instead had been sent to Yugoslavia. I don't know what I've done to deserve to be posted to this awful country with all these horrible Balkan peasants. Who are these You're partisans not. anyway? Do I command them or do you? McLean said, well, certainly he didn't command them, but Korniev could try if he liked and see how he got on. <laughs> uh, so Tito, anyway, had the backing, uh, uh, drunkard, uh, <laughs> drunkard envoys as it may be, had the backing of two of the big three powers, but not yet of the United States. Why was your country mm. not getting behind him at this juncture Ray Harris. Well, there, there's several reasons, but the to you need to know that there was an American on the ground in Yugoslavia, an engineer, Major Lynn Slim Farish. He joined McLean's uh, mission in late 1943. He's building airstrips. He's doing that kind of stuff. He's supporting the the partisan. So he gets there and he sees their noble cause and he's helping building airstrips for planes and allied planes and all that kind of stuff. Things are going pretty well until, in his opinion... The uh, the partisans are being too cruel to their prisoners. They're going after the Chetniks. They can kill. They try to kill them whenever they, whenever they capture them. But of course, the backstory is the Chetniks have been killing and the Croats have been killing as well. So this is nothing new. But there's another part of it, and that part is there's politics involved because Slim worked for the Office of Strategic Services or OSS, the forerunner to the CIA, created by General William Joseph Wild Bill. Donovan, who is vastly overrated in my opinion. But the point is, um, this guy, Farish, was another hardcore guy. He was always risking his life. He would end up save, saving like hundreds of Allied pilots who were shot down. This guy was the real deal. In fact, he was at some point called Lawrence of Yugoslavia. So this guy, this guy's pretty tough here. But he he see he doesn't like what he sees and he reports back to the OSS. He reports back to Donovan, which goes directly to FDR. But at the end of the day, FDR is all about his principle of self-determination. They're, the British Empire should be taken in, uh, taken down, the French Empire, the Japanese Empire, not the American Empire, because it's different and it's more civilized. I think we all can agree on that. But he, FDR just doesn't think that the Yugoslav, all these various nationalities and religions, he, he doesn't think it can work. He does want to put King Peter back on the throne, which I guess is his way of trying to make the best of a bad situation, but he doesn't see Yugoslav work working as a as an entity. He doesn't like Tito. He doesn't trust Tito. And I he's just not going to get the support. Tito is not going to get the support from him like he's getting from the Russians and the British. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting situation. I mean, there are lots of different theories uh about this. Um mm-hmm. Fitzroy McLean's biographer, Frank McLean, suggests that Donovan, while Bill, founder of the CIA, and his backer at the State Department, Robert Murphy, mm-hmm. were Irish-American enemies of the British Empire yeah. and want, thought the British wanted control over Greece and Yugoslavia after the war in order to 
protect the route to Suez and India, and they were right. <laughs> we know that that's exactly yes. what they wanted, and that's Fair part cut. of the that's part of the secret uh, percentages deal that yes. Churchill and Stalin signed uh, around about this time too. So. Um, you know, he kind of suggests, Frank McLean, this is, that uh, Donovan and Robert Murphy wanted to see the British hampered in anything that they tried to do in this area in terms of, uh, you know, developing long-term relationships with the future rulers. He yes. wrote, the problem was that at bottom, American decision makers of the time were not interested in whether the Russians overran Eastern Europe. Their mm. main target was the British Empire which they were determined to prevent from emerging stronger than ever after the war. There was always in American plans for the post-war world a concealed economic agenda, and it was no accident that the important figures of the US corporate structure were also the important foreign policy decision-makers. Damn. It is not an exaggeration to say that corporate America was running the war in the shape of the six wise men. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, you've, you and the listeners have heard me say uh, a, a, a countless times, I think a trillion times right. would not be an exaggeration, that wars are usually uh, about, the, about economic, uh, for, for economic reasons. Yes. And also we've talked in this series back in the early days about, uh, you know, it was a deliberate part of the strategy of the United States during World War One and World War Two to try and destroy the British Empire and their their, their control over the British bloc. Right. Well, yeah, destroy and replace. Right. Yeah, um, and, and it's not something that gets talked about enough. You know, these days, I think it's not something that you probably learn yeah. in your history books uh, without going deep. But you know, as as Frank McLean said. It was the, the, the U.S. war effort was being run by American corporate leaders who wanted to destroy the British Empire. If I could just real quick, I want to add on to that by saying if you just think about hindsight, someone might sit there and react to what you just said by saying, well, forget the fucking British Empire. It's on its way out and the Soviets are going to be taking over Eastern Europe. And oh, my God, we got to do something about that. That's not that's in the future. No no one's reading tea leaves that deep. They don't know that the the British system is going to be completely destroyed and it's not going to come back. They don't know that Stalin is going to keep everything that he grabs. Uh, and so their focus, and like you said, this has been going on for decades. Their focus is to dismantle, weaken, whatever you want to call it, the British Empire, so the American economy can take over and dominate the world. Because why wouldn't you want to? I mean, that's what all countries try to do. So it's not that they I don't I don't think it's not that they weren't concerned about the Soviets. They just saw now by late 1943, early 44, when it's clear that Hitler's going to lose. It's just a matter of when they're they're thinking about after the war and they want to be able to control. They want to dominate the global economy because that's what you do as a superpower, as a wannabe superpower. Now, Ray, you're the world's leading expert on World War Two and a pair and, and, you know, obviously, in particular, the American Involvement in it. Who were the six wise men? Ooh, no, I don't know that. I know that John J. McCloy, the Assistant Secretary of War under Henry Stimson, was one of them, but I don't know the other ones. I'm going to guess Walt Disney, Ford, the early, early Trump. Ah, uh, that's all I got. So, in all of your podcasts about World War Two, you've yeah. uh, you've never come up with any stories about the guys who actually were behind the US war effort? Well, to be honest with you, I'm only up to February of 1941, so I haven't got into the whole that yet. It's only been 10 years. What do you want from me? Come on. Every 10 years, I cover three and a half years of the war. That's the plan I laid out for myself. I'm going to do my last episode, and then I'm going to die. There, are you happy? I said it. The six wise men were advisors to every president from FDR through to LBJ. Wow. Um, Dean Acheson, 
Makes Secretary sense. of State mm. under Truman. We've talked about him before. Chuck Boland, we've talked about before. Right. He, he was the ambassador to the Soviet Union, the uh, Philippines and France. Right. Chip Boland. I think he was the guy I was trying to remember before that was um, mm. there during right. the um, purge trials. I think uh, right. there was Chip Boland. Um, uh, Avril Harriman. Uh, businessman slash banker slash special envoy for FDR. He'll come up in a was this it, episode or the next one again. Wasn't he banging Churchill's mm-hmm. daughter? Anyway, that's uh, no. He he was banging and eventually married FDR Randolph Churchill's oh, wife. That's right. Damn. Who was sharing an apartment with his daughter, daughter. Avril Harriman? That's what you you mm. you get your daughter an apartment. You tell her to get a roommate. Mm. Bang your way to glory. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt And you. that roommate right. that he banged and eventually married, <laughs> right. Bill Clinton made U.S. ambassador to France. Well, yeah, she's clearly qualified. <laughs> she, I've got a note on her later on, but uh, we talked about this in an earlier episode, but um, it was said that she had seen more rich men's ceilings than anyone else alive or something <laughs> like that. More go, rich men's bedroom ceilings. Go with your strengths. Like that. That's my motto. Go with your strength. Well, the world expert, world's leading expert on rich men's bedroom ceilings. <laughs> uh, so Avril Harriman, George Kennan, obviously, right. Robert Love, Lovett, Truman's Secretary of Defense, and John McCloy, you mentioned before. Now, McCloy was uh, another Wall Street lawyer. Right. Did a great deal of work for corporations in Nazi Germany. Huh. Before the US involvement in the war, along with uh, the Bush family. And uh, as they were bankers, I guess. Right. But he, he was a lawyer. He advised the um, German chemical company, IG Farben, oh, who manufactured Zyklon B. Right. Um, Zyklon B, of course, being the trade name of the sort of cyanide uh, that was used to mm. kill people in the Holocaust. Right. And um, also the name of a, of a punk band. In the eighties, but hey. that's another story. Uh, he was he, McCloy. Later on, was the president of the World Bank, U.S. High Commissioner for Germany, and a member of the Warren Commission. Hell yeah! Who said no? no what mate. magic bullet? No. Magic bullet, mate. Yeah, <laughs> magic bullet. It's all. It's all you need. At- no, I, no, we all loved, right. we all loved Kennedy. Yeah, Irish Catholic, right? It's terrific, loved. He's doing a great job. And I think he was an advisor or what around to like Reagan or something, if I'm remembering the name. So that guy was a fucking powerhouse who, you, who you've never heard of before, but obviously instrumental yeah. for decades in post-World War America and Europe. These are the six wise men. Walter Isaacson, the guy who wrote the biography on Steve Jobs um, when he died, did a good uh, book on the six wise men. I read it many nice. years ago. But yeah, these are the guys that basically ran the United States particularly in terms of foreign policy, Fuck. for, you know, good on you know, sort of 40, 40 years. Can, can uh, you 30, imagine years. Can you imagine the first smart son of a bitch that realizes they should have you and I as advisors? Oh, my God, when that day mm. comes, then we're going to help them take over mm. the world in our own mm. particular mm. fashion. Can't wait. Fascist. Because <laughs> um, you know you and I would look good in black uniforms. Yes. Man, the boots, yeah. the shiny boots and the, the little cap and little oh, riding yeah. whip thing. And I've, I've already been practicing sticking my thumbs into my belt buckle because that just looks badass, yeah. you know. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. so oh, I'm, yeah. I'm ready. Now, um, there we go for time. Oh. Seems like we've been talking for a long time, oh, 40 <laughs> minutes. Okay. Uh now, there were notes that uh, we have from the time by an emissary from the NDH, the, the Independent State of Croatia, the Ustasha government, who was at the Vatican during a visit by Cardinal Francis Spellman, oh, good. Archbishop of New York. He went to visit the Pope on behalf of FDR in Rome of 1943. Right. This would be Pope Pius 
mm-hmm. uh, the 11th, whose private archives were still waiting <laughs> on being released. COVID. They were supposed to be released a couple of months ago and right. they were opened up. Pope Frank opened, said he was going to, last year he said he was going to open them up to journalists and historians and a couple got in there in February and then the whole fucking thing shut down because of coronavirus. So thanks yeah. a lot, Bill Gates. <laughs> And your 5G coronavirus <laughs> network. But uh, hopefully they will be opened up again this year and we can find out how much Pope Pius really knew about the Ustasha yeah. and uh, the Nazis and all that kind of stuff. He, but anyway, yeah. FDR sent Francis Spellman, the Archbishop of New York, to uh, let the Pope know that FDR didn't want a unified Yugoslavia and wanted an independent Croatia. <sighs> Ooh, so here's the NDH thinking, we have a, dare I say, champion in FDR? Yeah, well, you know, he... he, he, Yeah, well, at least a supporter in the idea of an independent Croatia. Right. Now, of course, this is a Catholic cardinal communicating FDR's wishes to the Pope and someone from the Eustatia. Mm Mm-hmm. But but still, so he may have been spinning it a little bit, right. but I, as far as we are aware, that is FDR's position. He didn't want a unified Yugoslavia. So why is he going to support uh, a guy like Tito who says that's yeah. his vision at this stage? By the way, uh, J. Edgar Hoover's files had numerous allegations that Spellman was a very active homosexual. <laughs> and he... First guy who wrote a biography on Spellman after he died, which had a lot of first-hand sources saying that he was a very active homosexual. Uh, When the publisher ran it past the Catholic Church, they insisted that he remove all of those sections, which he did, or at least tone them down, I think. I I have to ask, because considering how perverted we are, we do not judge if he's a homosexual and he's a priest, fine. If he's having consensual relationships with of age people, that's fine. I hope we don't find out that that's not the case, but because that's a hell of a lot sexier than what I was going to say. I was going to say he was known as a staunch anti-communist, which FDR would have had to have known before sending him to Rome at the very least. But again, Hopefully he was having consensual relationships with uh, with whoever he wants to, because you should be able to do that. Yeah, I believe the allegations are that it was consensual um, with with adults, but he was uh, very outspoken against homosexuality. Oh, hypocrite! Uh, as a as a Catholic cardinal, right. speaking out against it, condemning then, the gays he, while secretly <laughs> sucking a bit of dick. So, yeah, it's it's wrong when other people do it. When I do it. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. If only iPhones had been around then, people could have been taking photos of it. Oh, yes. No, they they came out wrong. see those photos. (laughs) They came out wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, where were we? Which might all partly explain why the Ustasha leaders escaped punishment for their crimes after the war. Oh. There was no Nuremberg trial for the Ustasha fascists. They all got away with it. And maybe why they were kind of motivated to fight against, or the idea of fighting against Tito in a new Yugoslavia, if they, again, thought at the very least they had the passive support of FDR. Who knows? Mm, yeah. So in May then of 1944, when the Allies were preparing to invade France, the Germans unleashed their seventh offensive in Yugoslavia, this time called Operation Rosselsprung, Horse Jump, and its sole purpose was to kill or capture Tito by a paratrooper attack. Now... I don't know. I think you've got to be kind of proud of that yes. if you're Tito. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Germans last an entire offensive just to kill you. It's a bit like Castro. He was kind of proud of how many times the CIA tried to have him assassinated. Right. It's like, oh, you guys, you really me? You, you care. <laughs> you really do care. One time I was in jail, you know, I was talking to a fellow cellmate, he said, what are you in for? And I was like, you know. Usual aggressive jaywalking. Turns out he 
was the number one guy on this FBI list. So again, there was a lot of pride in his voice when he said that. So Tito, again, should be very proud of what he's accomplished. The Germans are willing to move heaven and earth to send a whole bunch of guys to jump out of planes, perfectly good planes, to land and to run his ass to the ground. And they have been preparing for this. There's been a lot of reconnaissance, and they know roughly, you know, where he's at. So, or I guess I should say exactly where he's at because they're going to run right for his cave when they come down. Okay, now I'll confess, I can't tell if you were joking uh, about that <laughs> prison or not. No, I was, I was joking. I, I don't have an exciting life. I know I come across as a little James Bond. I get that, but no, uh, pretty, pretty, just an, an average guy. Average guy. It was like the, that moment when you told me you were a bubble boy. I couldn't tell if you were joking or not. Sadly, all fucking yeah. true. It, it was like my yeah. first prison. That was my real prison. If you want to talk about prisons, that was my <laughs> prison. Now, this paratrooper attack was planned for Tito's official birthday, the 25th of May. Oh, they got him something. Yeah. <laughs> a bullet. <laughs> At 6.30 in the morning... Two Fokker Wolfs, yeah. German single-seat, single-engine fighters, came in low over the partisan headquarters. Yeah, they did. Side by side with a big banner held between them <laughs> saying, Happy birthday, Marshal Tito. Your last one. Balloons, right. streamers. They yeah. had some speakers attached to the planes <laughs> playing Happy Birthday. <laughs> and then... <laughs> after when the they vo- got to the Fahiza... Yeah. For he's a jolly good fellow bit. 50, 50 bombers came in behind them. Yeah. You know why? Flattened the town. Why? To help him blow out the cake. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah. 50 bombers came in, flattened the town where the headquarters was, then came six transport planes that dropped paratroopers. Then <laughs> 30 gliders brought in more soldiers with heavy equipment. There was a 1,000 crack troops. Damn. And 50 bombers. Like, this is to capture one guy. Yeah. It's, it was slightly... <laughs> reminds me of... Uh-huh. The uh, final scenes in uh, Leon, The Professional, <laughs> which Chrissy and I rewatched a couple of weeks ago, when Gary Oldman, the corrupt cop, wants to get Leon, and he he uh, oh we <laughs> gotta play play this clip. I told you, Benny. Bring me everyone. You mean everyone? Everyone! <laughs> Damn. And then, of course, of course, in Community, I've just been watching Community. Community did a whole series of episodes where they were spoofing this. <laughs> Listen to this. I'll play the original first. Bring me everyone. It's worth hearing again. Everyone! everyone! I didn't just masturbate in the study room. <laughs> I masturbated everywhere. Everywhere! <laughs> but Deborah, let's be clear. I want everything to get through that porn blocker. What do you mean everything? Everything! <laughs> Understood. <laughs> exactly. So keep your mouth shut or we'll send this file to everybody. What do you mean everybody? Everybody! They were all in season five of uh, Community when Dan Harmon came back. Right. They just, it's funny though, because Chrissy and I, like I've seen Leon a number of times over the years, but I haven't seen it for at least 10 years. Right. Um, Sat down and watched it with Chrissy like two weekends ago. Because we were like, remember fucking, what's her face? Um, Natalie Portman. She was right. like 12 or 13 when she made that film. Yeah. Great performance. We want to see that again, so we watched it. And it is. Her performance in that is just astounding. Mm-hmm. Um, as is Gary Oldman is so over the top. And then I just happened to watch Community Season 5 a week later, and they just keep <laughs> spoofing that scene. <laughs> Everyone! 
It's oh, fucking it's the greatest, it was fate. greatest thing. It was meant to be. So that's what Hitler did. Right. He said, send in everyone <laughs> to kill this guy. What do you mean everyone? <laughs> everyone! So there's a thousand crack troops who just landed and they're all heading for Tito's cave because they've done their reconnaissance. But Tito and his people and his wolf found tiger, dog, whatever the fuck that thing was, because I tried to look it up and I couldn't. They head to the back of the cave. They find the water course. They climb up um, on it. They climb out of the back of the cave. A lot of Tito's men stay behind. I think they were probably killed, but they stay there to delay the Germans so he could get the fuck out of there. And he marches through the woods until he gets to a partisan unit. This is operation number seven against him. But again, by the narrowest of margins, this guy is able to get away. It wasn't a wolfhound tiger. It yeah. was a wolfhound, right. and its name was, was Tiger. Tigger. Tigger. Oh, that's right. Tigger. Okay. All right. Because I looked up pictures of it. Oh, God. Here we go. The wonderful thing about tiggers is tiggers are wonderful things. Their tops are made of rubber. Their bottoms are made of spring. They're bouncy, crouncy, crouncy, pouncy, fun, 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 fun. But the most wonderful thing about tiggers is I'm the only one. Tiggers are cuddly fellas. Tiggers are awfully sweet. Everyone else is jealous. That's why I repeat and repeat the wonderful thing about tiggers is tiggers are marvelous chaps. They're loaded with thimble with vigor. They love to leap in your lap. They're jumpy, bumpy, clumpy, pumpy, fun, 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 fun. But the most wonderful thing about tiggers is I'm the only one. Ah. So, to show yes. Winnie the Pooh how much he loved him, right? he named his dog Tigger. Oh, that's sweet. So they have a bond of, of a kind. I'm not, not sure if that's actually the real story, but it's, he it did have a wolfhound called Tigger. It should yeah. be. But he escapes it once should be. again. Yeah. He escapes once again. And that, my friend, is where we're going to leave this episode. Because she's a whore. <laughs> Yes. Don't know why you said that. It's kind of fucking random. Do I need a reason? Don't tell me what to do. An iron curtain has descended across the continent. That's a power play, baby. No, I... I, No, no, I... I, Yeah. Soviet military buildup on the island of Cuba. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. Not to mention her vagina.